Hey everyone, I'm Akshay Agarwal. Uh, I'm a pro-technology guy and a believer in the idea that decentralization is important to drive progress and change. Many of you might know me because of my views or observations about tech startups, even more so because of my crypto and blockchain evangelism. In my recent travels, I've stumbled upon some brilliant change agents, change agents that are ingeniously impacting uh, the world for the good of humanity. One such change agent is our guest for this podcast. But before I introduce him, let me share that this podcast is my way of exploring the future of society through the eyes of some brilliant change agents. Uh, now, these change agents are making positive social impact felt in more ways than one. Some have tinkered uh, themselves, while some have guided many working in the trenches. Uh, when talking about la- the latter, I couldn't help but think about Daniel Kerimi. When I think about exploring the future of society, this it is definitely you that come to mind. Uh, that come to my mind, Daniel. So, for my listeners, Daniel has worked with organizations like World Economic Forum and United Nations. He has accelerated digital transition while working with government at all levels. Uh, global enterprises, startups, investor communities alike. In his previous role, he was serving as a deputy head of fourth industrial revolution at World Economic Forum, where Daniel built a network of centers for the fourth industrial revolution in Asia with offices in Beijing, uh, Mumbai, and Tokyo. While I can go on and on, uh, when I begin to talk about your uh, past accomplishments, Daniel, why don't you share two bits about your past work and experience? Thanks, Akshay, and thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. I mean, this is this is a tremendous opportunity. I always really enjoy talking to the entrepreneurial and really energetic group of people that you have built around in your ecosystem. I think the, the, the current situation is really a perfect time for us to, to reflect on this, these big topics, right? Future of society, how the technology interacts with our day-to-day needs and deeds and aspirations. And this is this is the perfect timing. I think this is, um, I, have been, I, I have been fortunate enough to be able to look at the big picture and think through some of these uh, you know, implications. For the bigger part of the last decade um, with the World Economic Forum and before that, even before that with the United Nations. So, you know, my um, career so far has been very fortunate that I try to look for a big turning point uh, in, in, in all respects and kind of follow my heart uh, as the society really moves in, in, the, in somewhat continuously and sometimes new direction. So I joined the UN, for example, after 9-11. Uh, and, and, you know, that was, that was tremendously interesting time as, as the international community really came together about this global threat. And on the one hand, everybody was focusing, focusing on the threat, but in, in, in some other hand, uh, ways, there was a really clear departure from our relationship with technology. There was a very clear assumption that now we are technologically advanced enough to actually deploy uh, big data analytics and so on, that was always been there. It was always deployed. There were early experiments always, but deployed to extend to make society safer. And there was some sort of a societal, uh, I would say, uh, acceptance in new societal norms, societal contract to say, look, we will give up certain ways 
that we, were, we would not have given up just a few years before in exchange of safety and security. So that was a very interesting turning point in terms of tech uh, for me and how it relates to the society. Now, you know, over the past yeah, 20, two decades or so, there were two or three moments like that. You know, the, the global financial crisis of 2008 was a big moment. That's actually when I left the UN and joined the World Economic Forum. Every friend of mine was saying, are you mad joining World Economic Forum just as economy is tanking? But it was the best decision ever. And I think today with a pandemic, uh, yet again, I'm, I'm pivoting my own career because, I, you know, I'm not working much more entrepreneurial side of things because I think it's one of those moments where actually there will be very clear short-term pains but also very clear restructuring of a social contract between our um, you know within the societies between ourselves as citizens between the countries and between us as human beings and technology absolutely that's that's interesting uh to, you know, see you, you know, talking to you right now when you're making that transition and hearing that, you know, probably uh, a major point uh, in the past was your decision uh, with the previous uh, transition. But again, you know, while you've been through these uh, transitions, you know, something that I would, uh, you know, sort of understand is, you know, there was in, in both ways, uh, you know, in both situations, there was probably the biggest ever halt to economic activity, uh, right? And, you know, in with your experience, what would you say, what are the best probable areas to contribute to at the moment? Yeah, I think what, what so, you know, it, it's it's without question, it's, it's always a big shock. When a shock like 9-11 or financial crisis or global pandemic like today is happening, it's very disorienting. People don't know what to do. There's no playbook, or at least if there is someone, everybody thinks that there may be some playbook or you know, everybody's looking for that playbook and, and, and using historical analogy. In some certain cases, of course, the history can be the guide, but every time it's kind of somewhat different. And uh, I think what's important is always utilize, always look at the opportunity uh, side of this crisis, right? And kind of see, okay, as we survive, as we do day by day, as we try to make decisions, you know, how to keep the company afloat, where do I source my capital? How do I do sales on Zoom and things like that? You actually, as societies, also need to be aware of these bigger changes that are happening, right? Because they are becoming actually very clear a few years down the line, kind of, you know, three, four years from now, you'll be like, oh yeah, no, I remember the exact moment where it was perfectly okay to hire a person on Zoom and never meet it and then work for a few months with a person and, you know, only then meet in person. But think about it. Would you have even managed that? Like, would it be feasible for you to do that 10 years ago, you know, hiring someone that you've never met to, to run tech for your company or something like that. However, as, as it will become clear in the future, it's happening now. So, and this is our opportunity also to really reshape, reset, reconstruct the way we want society to function. I mean, there's so much social injustice, environmental injustice, racial injustice, that that it takes normally those real moments where you actually really have to hit the pause button 
because you, you really can't do business as, as usual. But again, then it's a really opportunity to go, either you go back to exactly the place where it was, which, is, which will not be possible. You just can't, you know, when everybody talks, well, let's go back to, you know, in reality, it's actually, it's gonna be somewhat different. But this different has to be better. It has to be progressive. It, ha- it can't be worse than before, right? And that's where I think there's a lot of thinking that needs to happen at the local level, at the level of an individual, at the level of a company, and at the level of, of the countries where they need to start thinking as they deploy all this stimulus, as financial packages, support, and so on and so forth. Like it just can't go back to normal, right? Right now, unfortunately, it seems like the vast majority, at least in OECD countries, um, that the, of the stimulus that been deployed to counter the effects of pandemic means that our you know they, they will just resume activity that was happening, mean, meaning greenhouse gases will go up, the you know the, the social injustice will remain the same as, or if not. So if you can think how you can reconstruct that and how you can redeploy those resources to start gradually by design and by default you know, decreasing those inequalities, increasing our green recovery possibilities. That's where I think the possibility and opportunity lies today. Very interesting. Very interesting. And you know, something that you pointed out, uh, you know, uh, the last few uh, comments was that Daniel, that, you know, we have to adjust to, you know, the changing environment and specifically, you know, try to accommodate with these new tools such as Zoom, you know, how, how do you, you know, get yourself accustomed to uh, sort of doing sales on such channels. And, you know, while we're interacting with these channels, what everybody is really concerned about is where is their data getting captured? Because, you know, that abuse of data by, uh, you know, these giant enterprises or by, by the government is such a concern to privacy in our minds, uh, what do you see as a solution to this problem? And, and would you suggest, uh, you know, some solutions to deal with it, uh, you know, if, if you have any? I don't think anyone has real solution to that, right? You can't really, you can't build digital economy without data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and data comes from whatever source you can, right? And right now, you know, for better and worse, it's mostly social data. It's it's a personal data of individuals. Increasingly, uh, however, there will be different types of data. You know, the IoT data is very different and so on. Um, I, I will talk a little bit about one, one, one particular case a little bit later, but as, you know, there is an opportunity as the data overall kind of data, uh, if you look at the data as 100%, right, the global data, mm-hmm. it would be very interesting for me to see what is the percentage of personal data? How is it decreasing? What is the percentage of IoT data that is increasing? What is the percentage of observable data? And so on and so forth. Um, but what's very interesting, I think increasingly the data will be collected around, um, around environment. So it's not only industrial environment, like industrial IoT, but also, for example, the companies I'm working with, it produces data and the mission of the company is a little bit like Google, organize the information, but information around matter. 
So how does the matter feel? How does it smell? How does it tie? You know, so that's, that's very interesting. And there, perhaps another thing which, which we discussed actually in the past is that that's where the interesting convergence of technologies are happening, right? Because if you think about it, huge breakthroughs on, on, on you know, block, be blockchain or, or a, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning capabilities, they kind of always tend to happen it's kind of slow, slow, and then everything happens. It, it's like the, one of those old jokes that, you know, three stages of human knowledge. It's like, no, it's impossible, and you're absolutely crazy. That's the first stage. Second stage is like, oh, there's something about this idea. And the third stage, of course, we knew it all along, right? <laughs> so, and, and they kind of pile up on one each other. Like, uh, in, in, but right now, they tend to be similar approaches. It's just like in any tech forks, right? The technology development forks. You always kind of build on the same until the idea comes along that presents a different standard, a different approach. And it may be actually better, but for whatever evolutionary, technology evolutionary reason, it does not pick up. So right now, I think it's, again, we're reaching that stage where what has been done in the past, I don't want to say it's hitting the limit or reaching, you know, be it the Moore's law or kind of uh, visionary inspired uh, machine learning techniques. But at the same time, it gives us enough space to try out something new. So one company that I'm, again, I'm mentioning is, is very interesting is that they're really pushing the boundaries of utilizing our olfactory smell sense inspired AI learning techniques which in the past just didn't pick up because everybody was, you know, visionary expired technique was working very well. The same idea of kind of, you know, decentralization, it's like a pendium. It's a little bit swings in the, in the, in the moment of centralization and then it swings in the centralization. And I think that's, that's brilliant. As long as each one of those swings will help us to move in a, in a direction that again, brings in sustainability, brings in social justice and so on and so forth. So it's the only, the only positive about this, this uh, pandemic that I see, and the, I'm, I'm, I want to highlight, this is a huge strategy. It's absolutely disruptive, but there's a positive element that it's kind of very humbling experience for everyone to hit that pose, to, to resume and revisit our assumptions and see what other parallel approaches that are out there that may be, either better or in terms of diversification possible. Uh, that, it, that, that would not have been po you know, possible a few months before ago where everybody was just go, go, go. You know, you have to meet your quarterly targets. You have to accelerate your sales. You have to source your capital. Now, as hard as those, no, those pressures didn't go away. They, and perhaps they even became harder. The challenge is right now that there's also, there's this space to think broader. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and while while we're you know dealing with these transitions, it, um, it's amazing to see how we've come back in contact with the nature, with our families, uh, you know, into remote, uh, you know, work from home, uh, you know, possibly even you know the you know stances by various uh, you know enterprises saying that you know we feel that you know some of our employees are happier now that yeah. they're spending time with their families. So I mean, you know, definitely a huge positive in that sense. You know, something that, you know, I'm currently observing is, you know, a huge, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, transition into these gig economy based platforms, right? Uh, and, you know, suddenly, you know, jobs in these areas or, you know, traction in this particular areas has taken up, right? 
which gives a lot of uh, i would say room for now the talent to you know decide where do they want to work or what exactly do they want to uh, you know essentially pay attention to or which kind of skill do they want to learn uh, you know by while they're picking up these uh, you know uh, smaller gigs right so yeah definitely a lot of positives in that sense as well well you're absolutely correct right so i i remember and what's very interesting for me is to see how relatively quickly the social norms are adjusting mm-hmm. remember there was a very uh, there was a famous bbc interview episode where there was a guy giving a video interview to bbc and there were kids rushing in and kind of and everybody was laughing and now it's an absolute norm right now you have a board meetings when this happened and things like that and like now everybody's kind of okay this is annoying and perhaps you should have you know taken beer better precautions but there's no kind of like oh this is an outrageous it's actually you know you you just say hi you know like your or cat jumps on your screen whatever so that's one the second thing is what you mentioned about gig economy and transitions and skills and youth this is actually very interesting because again there was a very famous phrase that i really like is that sometimes uh, you know nothing happens for decades and then decades happen within weeks and i think one of those it's we are in such a moment uh, such a moment of really transformational change now let's not fool ourselves any change is hard we are creatures of habit right we just want to go back to every day and something we know and we know how to improve how to control our environment and when the change happens too fast we feel that we can no longer control our environment we feel very uncomfortable now some people have the you know higher tolerance to change than others but in no matter it's easy for anyone and i feel that this current generation will be champions of change just because the change comes at them at from to us from all sides right it's like the gig economy the pandemic the adjustment it's like in the past everybody was used to going to school at 8 a.m. and you know finishing the school and then going to work and and now the change like you you there there are certain flexible there's even now not clear in certain countries where the school will start if it will start when it will start how it will look when it starts i mean all this this is kind of and people are proving to be remarkably adjustable to this change so as much as pain it brings to to do all these uh, you know different jobs or thinking about the skills I think the fact that you you everybody around us right now realizes that the change is coming and is constant and will stay here it also forces us to be open to it and I think that's the, you know some of it some of the transitions will happen faster some of it will happen slower but as long as you are you are um, you are open to it I think you're good one last thing I want to mention about the impact of Yeah, because this is a huge topic everywhere in the impact of technology on the labor markets will it all just go away you, you know universal basic income is part of that there's the discussion data dividends is about you know who is actually owning your data how it's going to be monetized and so on you know there's always this uh, i i am an optimist maybe unrealistically optimist uh, but i do know that i would not be today where i am without technology But there's a great story that I like uh, that 
uh, that kind of always tries helps me to be grounded when the fears are always waiting the 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 the, the optimistic forecasts. The the second um, the second in the world escalator ever installed was in a house department store in London. The mm -hmm. first was was in a Coney Island in New York, but the second one was in Harold's department store. And back then it was like 1800s. It was a, such a you know feat of technological revolution, right? A self-moving stairs, if you think about it. Uh, that it was a big deal. But the thing is that there were all these fears that those escalators will displace the jobs of the of the guy who was pushing the button at the elevator. There was a job that where it was a gentleman that was always standing in each elevator would ask you which floor you need to go and push the button for you. And that, you know, so there was a fear that actually those jobs will go away. Mm -hmm. Now, it was not the escalator that destroyed those jobs. Those jobs are no longer around, but it was the fact that we learned how to push the buttons ourselves, right? Nobody, it, and as a matter of fact, the escalator the heralds was was forced to hire two additional people to handle the escalator because the customers were so freaked out to step on this self-moving stairs that they they had to pass on the the, the shot of sherry to gentlemen and, a, and and sniffing salts to ladies at the top of the stairs now the story is, is kind of yes the jobs were destroyed but it was not the technology that destroyed it it's more around adjustment of our social norms and our self-sufficiency and the technology that was fear that there was job destroying actually created a couple of more, you know, in the bigger pictures, nothing, but still it was, it was. So I always kind of remember that anecdote when people are either overly optimistic, or overly pessimistic about, about labor market. Absolutely. So interesting point from there, uh, you know, uh, that user experience probably, or, you know, taking the user through this change might be an interesting area of, uh, you know, adding to, you know, current opportunities as well, right? Specifically, you know, your particular area where you've worked, uh, you know, a lot with digital transformation. I think, you know, all of that's kind of pushed ahead in its journey in terms of its adoption. And now, you know, there's, so for example, my mother, you know, she wasn't so much used to, you know, taking these meetings over Zoom. And now, you know, in the last, over the last two months, I'm seeing that she's, you know, as accustomed as if, you know, this is what, this is how it used to happen in her case. Right. Yeah. So uh, I guess definitely that's sort of coming up, but what are you, what are you seeing, uh, you know, specifically in the space of digital transformation, would you point out some interesting developments uh, that you've seen uh, coming to the forefront? So I, I think the, the, the most interesting thing for me is that, the fact that, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise. I'm just, I'm being reflective here and kind of, like they were, again, to, to use an example of pandemic as a, as a unique moment of time, there were two or three times where you know, the business as usual had to be paused and mm -hmm. that led to a lot of rethinking how business is done. So after 9-11, for a few, few weeks, few months, there was the, the air traffic was grounded, right? There was no air traffic. Uh, and a lot of people that, whose business was dependent, salespeople, consultants, you know, they, their business was just get on the plane every Monday morning, go to your client and fly all the time, right? It was unthinkable that you make sell or you have a, a, a consulting gig without be, you being present there in the room. 
And all of a sudden, after 9-11, it was okay to jump on the call. You know, it was okay to have a, a, an audio conference and a video conference. And even those late adopters that said, look, I will never, I always need to see it person eye to eye. They were forced to do the same, right? Mm -hmm. The same here, you know, for many years, the audio conference was a norm. Video, the Zoom, Zoom, Google Meets, Teams, Microsoft Teams, all those devices, early adopters were using them for years. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden it was mass population that had to kind of say, and I remember a lot of, you know, and, and it's now regardless of age, regardless mm -hmm. of gender, regardless of everybody's using it. But I remember there were cases, and I'm pretty sure it was this, it was like in the beginning, people were like, oh, I don't know where to click. I, mm -hmm. I hate this. And then within a few weeks, it's a norm, right? Now everybody, now I can tell you this thing goes away, but th this will not. People will want to say, they will be delighted to meet in person. They will be delighted to go to restaurants. Mm -hmm. But getting on the plane and flying for, for our meeting for a quick catch up, no, let's just do the Zoom, right? So, so it's kind of, it's remarkable how quickly this, 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 this picks up. The whole uh, augmented virtual reality, I, I, you know, again, the early experimentation are really, really promising. It's, it's still not here, but it will. I think this, this pandemic is a great accelerator for those technologies. The biggest threat, of course, is, 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 is uh, when people overhype something short-term, because we always tend to overestimate the impact of technology short-term and completely underestimate the impact of technology long-term. And also what's very interesting for myself and other people that try to look at the big picture, I'm pretty sure you started your podcast because you were wondering, it's like, what are those unimaginable or unforeseen consequences that, um, you know, that we, we are not even thinking, like when the printing press was invented, it actually, you know, there are estimates that the age of childhood went up by five years because people stayed in school longer than you know before printing press you you have to go in the field and you work right but now the 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 access to information was easier that means people could stay so all this interesting stuff which will become obvious 100 years from now but if you kind of actually reflect it and have a little bit of an insight earlier on that just gives you tremendous realization that you're living through this transformation right now Absolutely. That's very interesting. Uh, uh, also, you mentioned uh, about augmented and virtual reality and you've served as a manager at the Global Future Council on uh, augmented and virtual reality. So tell us about your work there, you know, uh, your experience, any interesting applications or potential opportunities coming in, uh, particularly in that area. So again, the technology is not new, right? It's been around for a while. Uh, it's the application of it. It's, it's also the cost of it. It's the quote-unquote democratization of the access to this technology. It's very interesting. It's application of it. It's, it's, it there's so many aspects to all of that. I mean, I was, I, was, I was very lucky because I was kind of secretariat for this fantastic group of people that came from technology companies that were developing this tech, from content providers that were developing amazing content for, for the uh, augmented virtual reality to policymakers that were thinking about, you know, consequences such as, again, how do you protect vulnerable? How do you prevent it? Uh, the, this new way of human computer of interaction 
repeating all the mistakes of the past waves of the human-computer interaction uh, that, that came to us, including you know, networking and internet and social media and so on. So this was a tremendous opportunity, some really cool uh, insights in terms of what's out there. Technology is, is, is not nascent. Mm -hmm. It's fairly mature. Uh, it, it needs to get out. Now, it, you know, there, it just the time lag. Another thing is what I feel is that the time lag between science to technology to engineering to business is increasingly short. It, like it, it accelerates all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited. I'm really excited to see what will come out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and sort of, uh, you know, uh, owing to your first-hand experience uh, with cutting edge innovation, uh, you know, specifically with your work uh, with entrepreneurs building at the cutting edge, right? Share a bit about, uh, you know, these implementations or technologies, uh, you know, just like the one that you mentioned about uh, the one that's using uh, the sense of smell, right? Uh, share a bit about, you know, any more of those, if you can. No, it's, it's a great pleasure. So, so the, this company is, is really actually quite interesting because they, uh, they really set up on, on a very simple mission. They wanted to create really, really uh, cool, affordable and precise measurements uh, of it, that would help the democratize analytical chemistry for digital age, right? So if you think about it, some schools uh, barely have a microscope that they, in their science classes. Uh, and, and in many cases to analyze gases and everything, you really need those machines that cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're extremely precise. You takes two PhDs to manage. So there was like, their thesis was, okay, how do we create that and make it super simple, mm -hmm. super affordable at, while not losing any of those functionalities? And why? Because it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's a tremendous tool. If you can measure pollution, you can actually reduce it. Not every pollution is created equal. Some pollution kills people. Some pollution just makes it, you know, annoying for us. Uh, also, there was a, you know, in some parts of the world, pollution living, um, India, China is a good example, but, but a lot of parts of Asia, pollution is leaving, reaching the level where it actually affects you know, healthcare and obviously health of people and, and, and quality of life. But at the same time, you can't shut it down because mm -hmm. that affects the livelihoods of people, right? It's, it's a debate whether you want to have to be healthy, but poor or poor. And, you know, so it's like, how do you make those trade-offs? And essentially, if you can measure pollution, to perhaps you are in a position to eliminate really bad uh, pollution while, while not shutting down all the factories, right? If you can find the the one factory that kills people among the hundreds, well, you, you don't have to shut down all the production within the region. You just need to take care of that one. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it turns out that the same analytical basis, same science can be applied to detect disease. So they, they managed to detect 17 types of cancer and COVID and Parkinson and, and so on. And it turns out the same thing can help you find mold in your house. And, you know, because every, every, every living organism will, will, uh, will emit uh, volatile organic compounds or some sort of trace, a chemical trace of their existence. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have algorithms that can pick it up, 
these general sensors, the general purpose technology can actually really point in the right direction. So there is every day they discover a new use case that kind of opens up their, their possibility for sales, for new partnerships with established uh, industry in, you know, companies and incumbents in those industries. And, and then there's, there are consequences, and this is a great lesson to, you and to your entrepreneurs. As you think about the, the companies they build and so on, there is always one or two things that always, all of a sudden that pops up down the road that you as an entrepreneur didn't really think of. So these guys figured out that as they actually do a lot of testing, their, their data, the, the data that they're generating can be used for AI training. Uh, because it's just a different approach to, to AI and machine learning. So there's, there's a new market for set data sets for uh, machine learning there. So it's, 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 that's what I love about entrepreneurship because it, you know, you, it can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it cannot go everywhere. You have to make trade-offs and choices, but it's, the field is open. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very interesting. And, and you know, uh, I think it's really inspirational to all of, uh, the ones that get to listen to uh, you through the podcast. So again, I think uh, being cognizant of the time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have gotten this opportunity. But again, I would like to end on this one note from you. You know, what would be your advice to two segments of people? One, entrepreneurs, because right now they're, you know, specifically the ones that were thinking long term. You know, they, they've, they've found themselves in this uncomfortable spot wherein, you know, their technology or the one that, you know, the solution that they were engineering, it's not yet there that would, you know, get them money, right? So they're not where they could monetize immediately. So, you know, they don't know what is it that they should do. Is there an advice for them uh, that, that would come your way? And secondly, would be to the talent that's adjusting to job losses, uh, you know, owing to the fact that you've, you've had your education in probably uh, the best university uh, across the globe, you, you're, you're, you know, sort of guiding leaders again with, with such universities uh, again, uh, and, you know, sort of you would be in the best position to share, you know, if education is something that you should invest in or upskilling is something they should invest in. So both these segments, what would be your advice first to entrepreneurs? So, so first of all, congratulations. If you're an entrepreneur, that's a great step because clearly you try to improve. You're not satisfied uh, with the state of status quo. You want to improve your own conditions. You want to improve the conditions of a community around you. And, and, and so this is, this is tremendous. You want to do something with your life. Do not despair. I mean, the entrepreneurship is really tough, right? It's, it's, it's just you, 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 you constantly... It seems like you would always get 20 good bad news for one good news, right? You're like, uh, try to survive. I mean, the timing is tough. So if you have to find a job, if you have to do a consulting gig, do that. That will allow you to keep going on your passion project. If you feel that the passion project will, will, will materialize sooner than later, well, then just dedicate all your, 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 your resources to that and just try to make it a success if you can. If you can't, again, just do it as a, as a side bed or just develop it in the evening, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes and keep, keep working in that. All you, all you have to do is to get up one time more than you just got knocked down. So just keep going, going, going for it. 
the upscaling, look, it, it's, it's great. You just have to keep learning. Again, with the change that is happening around the world, all your skills will become obsolete very soon. Some mm -hmm. fundamental um, things that you would learn or your approaches or your understanding of yourself, of the colleagues, that will stay. Mm -hmm. But everything else will change, right? Technology will change, the business uh, concept, even the basic kind of uh, quote-unquote laws of economy will, will change, right? Something that was a without a doubt understanding of for all the economists today will actually be somewhat different in 10 years of time right so just be aware that the things will change keep learning uh you know if you can do it formally if you cannot do it there's so many free resources right now uh and just keep going thanks thank you so much daniel for your time i think this will be really helpful to everyone including me because, you know, I think one, it's just immense, uh, immensely inspirational or, you know, motivational when, uh, you know, one talks to you. And, uh, you know, just this uh, conversation uh, has inspired me to keep going. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And I would just like to, uh, you know, sort of put out to entrepreneurs that, uh, you know, Daniel is looking for amazing, uh, you know, uh, work if you're involved uh, in your own ventures, you know, trying to make uh, an impact there, you know, Daniel, if you could just share, you know, what is it that, what is the kind of work or uh, kind of entrepreneurs that are, you're looking to help uh, in this particular uh, journey? If you no, it's very exciting. I mean, again, they're, they're, uh, entrepreneurship is tough. Mm -hmm. Technology entrepreneurship is tough, but fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so any, you know, any, any entrepreneur that is out there, that is, is, is some of the, you know, they are all having their own problems, but mm -hmm. most of the problems are, are, are kind of similar. Either you are trying to hire a talent, but you have, you have no idea how to pay them, or you're mm -hmm. trying to source the capital, or you're trying to accelerate your sales. There are always people that you can partner with and help that will help you to, you know, not always the the capital sometimes capital sometimes connections sometimes ideas so just just look for it uh you know look the, the help will be given for those who are looking for it so uh you know, reach out to me reach out to the people in your networks uh it's just whatever will help you to keep going do that and, and what's the best medium to reach out to you or follow you uh you 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 know, you can you can uh, email me. I, I'm happy to share my details. But again, it's just uh, the most important thing is 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 just not to give up. <laughs> sure, sure. On that note, thank you so much, Daniel, for your time. Uh, this has been uh, amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Akshay. Cheers. <laughs>